All right, guys. It's time for some literally just airplanes. And today we're going to talk about the Tupolev Russian TU-154. It's going to be a good episode, and since last week we got the polls come in, and the pick is in, and it's going to be the TU-154. Let's do this right now, guys. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. There's a lot to go on with this. You can make money from your podcast, no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Remember, your podcast journey starts here. First things first, I'm going to show you guys, you can give it a listen to one of the most beautiful sounding engines and jets that I've ever heard. It's the it's a beautiful baby and it's going to be taxi to takeoff. Enjoy. about you guys but man i love that sound that's man <laughs> gives you goosebumps every time you hear it all right so let's get started so the tupelo of tu-154 codenamed careless which i thought was always funny to hear is a three-engine medium-range narrow-body airliner designed in the mid-60s so around the same time the dc-8 was developed as previous episode a workhorse of the Soviet and subsequently Russian airlines for several decades, it carried half of all passengers flown by Aeroflot and its subsidiaries in remaining the standard domestic route airliner of Russia and the former Soviet states until the mid-2000s. It was exported to 17 non-Russian airlines and used as head of state transport by the air forces of several countries. It's quite interesting thinking that the Russians really didn't have that many major airliners during the time. In my opinion, a very underrated very agile looking airplane. I'll have the picture in the description and as the image, but the, I always wanted to see the differences between its older and rare cousin, you know, the Tri TriStar and the Boeing 727. But it does share; it does have a lot of differences. We'll go over those differences later. Of course, the designer was Tupolev. The first flight was October fourth, nineteen sixty eight. And of course, it's introduced on my birthday, February 7th, 1972. No, I was not born in 1972, but it shares the same date of February 7th, 1972. Of course, it was used by the Russian Air Force, and it was used by North Koreans for some time. The aircraft has a cruising speed of about 850 kilometers, 
so about 530 miles an hour, and a range of 3280, 3,280 miles. It was capable of operating from unpaved and gravel airfields with only basic facilities. It was used very, very well in the Arctic conditions as well, and I, I'm a big fan of Arctic flying aircraft. It was expected to continue to service until 2016, but noise complaints created its downfall and was restricted in many Western Europe and other regions of airports. The development started focusing more on during the Cold War, of course, during the jets, and many times the Russians wanted to find something that can, you know, basically go up against the Trident. But, you know, Wikipedia and some other documents say that it is very similar to the Trident, but I would heavily disagree because it was powered by Russian engines. Yes, the designs might look the same, but an engine can't fly without its engines. I'll go over the workhorse video. If you guys want that, that will be on Spotify. It will be underneath the description for the previous episodes. And I'll, I go more in depth on engines in that one if you guys want to check it out. But not trying to go on a tangent, but this airplane does have its differences. It had a 40,000 pound payload capacity compared to the 37,000 pound of the Trident. And its range was a lot farther. It was very similar to the Trident, but it was marketing the long range IL-62 for another type. It chose the T-154 because it was very well liked by the project chiefs. Sergei Yeager in 1964 and Dmitry Markov in 1975, and the end of 1975, Alexander S. Schrengart first flew on the 68, but developing a jet like this, they used it to test with airmail first. There was still limited production of the 154 million models, and during that time, it was still using regular dial gauges. The design is powered by three rear-mounted low-bypass turbofans, just like the Boeing 727. But it is slightly larger than its American counterpart. Both the 7.2 and the T-154 use an S-duct for the middle. The original model was equipped with NK-82 engines, that were, which were replaced with Soleviev D-30KU-154s. All T-154 aircraft models have a relatively high thrust-to-weight ratio, giving the type excellent performance. Though at the expense of lower fuel efficiency, this became an important factor in later decades. The cockpit is fitted with conventional dual yoke c control columns. Flight control surfaces are hydraulically operated. The cabin of the 154, although the same six abreast seating layout, gives the impression of an oval interior, which a lower ceiling than is common in a Boeing and Airbus. The passenger cabin, cabin accommodates 128 passengers in a two-class layout and 164 passengers in a single-class layout and up to 180 passengers in high-density layout. The layout can be modified to what is called the winter version, where some seats are taken out and the wardrobe is installed for passenger coats. Like the T-134, the T-154 was a wing swept back at 35 degrees at the quarter-cord line. The British Hawker Sidley Trident has the same sweepback angle, while the Boeing 7-2 has a slightly smaller sweepback at 32. The wing also has an anhedral sweep, which is a distinguishing feature of Russian low-wing airliners. The, that's the main difference, guys and gals. 
the Boeing 727 and the Trident had dihedral sweeps, dihedral upward sweeps. A lot of Russian airplanes, including the Antonov-225, even the Antonov-12, have anhedral. Anhedral meaning downward sweep. I go over anhedral and dihedral in the wing section as well. So if you guys don't understand this, the tutorial will go over it more in depth. The anhedral, though, have poor lateral stability compared to their western counterparts, but also are more resistant to Dutch roll tendencies. Considerably, considerably heavier than its predecessor, Soviet-built airliner Aleutian IL-18, the 154 was equipped with an oversized landing gear to reduce ground load. The aircraft has two six-wheel main bogies fitted with large low-pressure tires that retract in the pods extending from the trailing edges. Soft oleo struts provide a much smoother ride on a bumpy airfield than most airliners, which very rarely operate on such poor surfaces. The latest variant includes an NVU B3 Doppler navigation system, a triple autopilot, which provides an automatic ILS approach to according to ICAO category 2 weather minima, an auto throttle, a Doppler drift and speed measure system, a stability and control augmentation system improves handling characteristics, modern upgrades normally include modernized TCAS, GPS, and other systems. However, the T-154's D-30 engines can be fitted with hush kits, along to meet noise regulations. The, one of my favorite parts, the variants. So each aircraft is going to have variants. Doesn't matter if they only have one or two variants, they will have variants. The 154 had multiple variants. Many variants of this airliner have been built. Like its counterpart, the 7-2, have been hush-kitted and some converted to freighters. The 154, of course, started in 1970, and its first passenger flight was February 9, 1972. The 154A had a center section fuel tanks and more emergency exits, while engines were upgraded to higher thrust. To discern the A model from the base model, note the spike at the junction of the fin and tail. This is a fat bullet on the A model and a slender spike on the base model. As the original 154 and 154A suffered wing cracks after a few years in service, a version with this new stronger wing designated. The B model had an additional fuselage tank, additional emergency exits, and on the tail. The, auto the autopilot was first introduced in this airplane, and with the replacement of the wing, the maximum takeoff weight increased to 212,000 pounds. My most interesting one is the TU-154... 155. A T-154 converted into a testbed for alternative fuels. It flew in 1988 and was used until the fall of the Soviet Union. It's then put into storage. There's been many different, many different ideas for it. There's been ideas for a shorter type. There's been ideas for a longer type. But if you look at the longest type one, the T-154M and the T-154B, they all have an extended reach. In February 2011, all remaining Iranian T-154s were grounded after two incidents. In October 2020, the last Russian passenger airline to operate this aircraft retired to the last remaining one. The remaining operators, as of today, of course, are Air Korea with Air Koryo, Kazakhstan Air Trans, Federal Security Service, and most of the Russian embassies. On 27th December, the Russian Ministry of Defense announced that it had grounded all of its 154s until the end of the investigation of the 2016 crash. This was followed by the grounding of all T-154s in Russia. 
The T-154 crashed in the Black Sea just after takeoff from Sochi, Russia on 25 December, killing all 92 people, including 64 members of the arm, official army choir of the Russian Armed Forces. Despite having a, having a, lot, of, a lot of accidents, many people still like this airplane. Between 1970 and December 2016, there were 110 serious incidents involving the T-154, including 73 haul losses with 3,000 fatalities. Of the fatal incidents, five resulted from terrorist or military action. On January 11, 2011, Russia's Federal Transport Oversight Agency advised airlines to stop using the remaining examples of the T-154B variant until a fatal fire incident in Surgot had been investigated. On December 27th, 2016, of course, it grounded all of them. There are many accidents, and many of them are listed here. If you want to check them out, the Wikipedia link for the T-154 has them all listed. Yes, there are a lot of incidents. As much as all the airplanes had incidents, this one has one of the most. So if you look at most of the airliners, including the T-134 and the T-124, it is used in many popular culture films. It's been appeared in many Soviet Russian films, and it's revolving around the exploits of the crew using the movie Air Crew. As mentioned before, the Kustnikov NK-82U engines and the Solyvyev D-30KU engines were used on it. Both engines were magnificent engines and were used in many different types of aircraft. To end this video, I'm going to show you guys a surprise. I'm going to show you guys some the sounding engines of the T-154. Enjoy. Man, I love that sound. Alright guys, well I just want to conclude on that. Uh, we are going to be talking about some other cool stuff in the future. Uh, my link is to Spotify on my page. Thank you for Anchor. Thank you Spotify. Thank you Google Podcasts. Thank you all the podcasts that are there if I haven't mentioned it. Thank you to all my listeners that have tuned in. Until next time, fly high guys and work on airplanes. Have a good night.